tonight, we are talking about evangelism. And I have a lot of stuff that I'm wanting to cover. And so I'm going to be jumping uh, right into it pretty quick here. Uh, but first... I want to start with a word of prayer. Oh, yeah, and there aren't, yeah, there aren't any papers at that back right table. So uh, the papers are at other tables. Um, there's none in the back of the room. So if you, other people show up late, can you tell them that as well? Just say, oh, hey, got to get a, one from the other table. There's like three seats up here, uh, four. So. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, could you, yeah, Matt, could you run a couple of those to the back? Because people don't like coming to the front when they, when they sh- show up late. That makes sense. Sweet. All right, while he's walking, uh, I'll pray. But Matt, you don't close your eyes. Okay, cool. Um, Dear Lord, I thank you so much uh, for this time. Uh, I thank you so much uh, for this group of people uh, and bringing us all together here tonight uh, and all together for this summer. I pray that this summer uh, would really be uh, a mutually beneficial summer for everybody, that everybody would really uh, get a lot out of this um, training program that they would all be growing closer to you and learning helpful uh, knowledge and getting uh, important training that's going to be a positive influence on the on the rest of their lives. And I pray you'd help them to really see the benefit of it and to reap a lot of blessing from from the things that they put into practice uh, that they're learning from Chico Project. I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. So. I love talking about evangelism to college students because when I was in college, I grew a lot uh, in the area of evangelism, and I also grew a lot personally through evangelism. Uh, God did a lot of work in my life um, through this specific area. Uh, I grew up going to church. I actually grew up going to this church. We weren't in this building. We were in an elementary school, but uh, I grew up going to church. And by the time I got to college, I had a really firm grasp of the idea of evangelism. And I even had a really good uh, grasp of why it was so important. Like I knew it was important and I knew I was supposed to be uh, sharing the love of God with other people. I had been really being told this pretty much my whole life. Uh, and it did make sense. You know, if God's done a lot in my life, I should share that love with others. And, and Jesus died for our sins. And, and I kind of, it was kind of felt like a routine to me, um, but not one that I was willing to put into practice in my life. But I understood it. Uh, ironically, I actually uh, avoided any conversations about God like the plague. Like not even, not like gospel conversations. I mean, any conversations about God uh, all the way pretty much through the end of high school. Um, even people who I went to church with, even my, my family, when they tried to talk to me about God, I would kind of give them a canned answers and try to try to move on as fast as possible. I'd sound religious and spiritual, and and then try to try to shift the conversation elsewhere. Uh, I felt really uncomfortable talking about God. Um, it was pretty ironic when I was I was texting with a guy I used to meet with about tonight's meeting, and he'd ask, "Oh, like what are you speaking on?" And I said evangelism. And he said, oh, that's super cool because that's totally one of your strengths. And I totally chuckled to myself because I was like, oh man, like if you only knew me, uh, you know, a few years ago, like you would, you would never guess that somebody would uh, say that was one of my strengths because it just so, so much wasn't. Um, it's really something that God's helped me grow a lot in through a lot of practice and through a lot of training that I've received. Um, when I was in college, God really started uh, helping me develop a real conviction for how much I needed the gospel. That was a huge thing in my life. God, I, I had understood the gospel since I was like six years old. I remember um, clearly understanding that I was a sinner in, in need of 
uh, redemption from Jesus, my Savior. Um, but man, I didn't, I didn't have a real uh, burden or a real uh, appreciation, a deep appreciation for how much I needed uh, the gospel in my life. And once I gained a more accurate perspective about how desperately in need of Jesus Christ I am, uh, I saw the need more clearly in others. It started to really uh, hit home for me a lot more, a lot more clearly. Um, I still need to constantly remind myself of the gospel in order to uh, focus on other people's need for the gospel. I have to constantly remind myself of the gospel to try to live out uh, an evangelistic lifestyle of sharing the love of Jesus with others. Uh, I have to tell myself pretty frequently um, the good news of God's love that he poured out on me, a hopeless sinner who was on a one-way track uh, to have a collision course with hell at the end of my life without Jesus's sacrifice for me. And I have to remind myself of my own depravity apart from the redemption that Jesus Christ offers me. And when I, when I remind myself of this, and I, I, I really, I preach the gospel to myself, uh, that is a huge, huge part of uh, me growing and having any kind of a boldness in sharing the gospel with others. Uh, the song, when I was ta- uh, thinking through this in preparation for tonight, this, the song lyric came to mind is, you know, uh, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And that just really, I just hit me, thinking all to him I owe. It's not some to him I owe. It's all to him I owe. I'm so thankful for my Savior, and I, I'm thankful so much that it, it really shifted my perspective on evangelism. Uh, this is a quote. I don't know if it's from Paul, uh, Paul Wooster, but he's the one who I've heard it from, and so I'm going to quote him on it. It says, Those who have the greatest grasp on the gospel have the greatest compassion for those without the gospel. Evangelism shifted for me. This big shift that happened uh, at the beginning of college was it shifted from a good idea that I agreed with to my greatest mission in life that I acted on. That was the big shift that I had. It went from a good idea that I agreed with. If anyone told me, like, do you think we should share the gospel with others? I'd be, totally. We should definitely, definitely do that. Uh, but I didn't do it. And, and then it had this huge shift where it became my actual, my personal greatest mission in life uh, that I started acting on. And once I had this shift, the excuses started feeling really lame. Uh, and more than that, I actually had a drive. Uh, talking to others about God does not come naturally to me. So I'm sharing all of this, my, my background. Uh, talking to others about God in general did not come naturally to me. Um, and so if that's how you feel here tonight, when you heard me get up on stage and say we're talking about evangelism, if you cringed a little bit or you went, oh no, like that was me. And so I 100% get it. And if you didn't feel that way, that's totally cool. Awesome, more power to you. Uh, I think tonight will still be helpful to you. But uh, that's where I was at. Uh, I still actively need the gospel to help me share the gospel. So I'm gonna jump into your outline now, what you have there. The first point is to develop your vision for God's mission. The first step we all need to take in developing our vision is to accept that the Great Commission is my mission. That's like, that's the, that's the first thing that you have to accept as true. The Great Commission is my mission. You might ask, well, what if I'm not gifted in evangelism? 
you probably wouldn't ask me that at this point after hearing my intro, but uh, you, still, that is a question that comes to people's minds, you know? Well, what if I'm not gifted in evangelism? That's the wrong question. The question you need to ask yourself is, do I love Jesus? That's the only question you need to ask yourself when it comes to whether you should be living out uh, a life of sharing the gospel with others. Here's Jesus' words. He said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then Jesus also said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's not an issue of gifting, natural ability, or even drive. It is an issue of obedience or disobedience to Jesus Christ's words. And here's a key part about obedience to God, because it sounds kind of legalistic, right? And it sounds like uh, sharing the gospel with others shouldn't be something done out of like a uh, obligation. Uh, and, and honestly, it, it shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't be the, you should come from love. But here is a key part about obedience to God is I don't have to ever, I never have to obey God out of a sense of legalism. I obey God because I trust him. That's why I obey God. Not just in this area, in my entire life, I obey God because I honestly trust and believe that the way he says to do life is the best way to do life. The Bible describes God as our perfect heavenly father. So I have a son, Calvin. He's two years old right now. And I want good for him. I really, truly, 100% want good for Calvin. And I, even when he messes up, like I just want like my relationship with him to be clear as soon as possible because I just want to enjoy a close relationship with him. It brings me so much joy uh, to have a close relationship with my son. Uh, and so, like, I, I, don't want, I don't want ill for him at all. Even when he messes up and I have to discipline him or teach him something, I want him to learn that lesson for his benefit. And then I want us to have a really clear and good, awesome relationship, you know, immediately afterwards. Well, through the whole process, technically. But uh, that's the thing is God is our perfect heavenly father. He wants good for us. So when he gives us things to obey, we don't have to obey them out of just this like legalistic, like, oh, well, the master of the universe told me to do this. It's like, well, he did create the whole universe. And he also very lovingly created you exactly how you are. He knows every intimate detail of you. And you can have a true legitimate trust in him. Uh, and doing life his way is the best way. So that's, uh, it was out of that trust that on January 30th of this year, uh, my day went from being a pretty mediocre day to being an absolutely fantastic day. Uh, so January 30th of this year, uh, I wasn't having a great day. Uh, I didn't feel well. I was dealing with some frustration. I had, uh, I actually had something disappointing happen that day. Uh, and it was just one of those days where by 1 p.m., like just after lunch, you feel like canceling the rest of your plans and seeing if you can squeeze in like an entire season of The Office before you go to bed. You're like, no, I'm not going to hit like a couple episodes. I'm going to see if I can do like the whole season right now, straight through, won't go to bed until I finish it. Like it was one of those days I felt like doing that. But 
I knew I had work to do, all right? I had some responsibilities. I had work I needed to get done. And I also knew I had a gospel appointment set up with a guy at 345. So I was like, okay, I'm going to like trudge through this work for the next couple of hours and then like hammer out this gospel appointment. And then I'll, I still had a few more things to do after that, but it was, it was less uh, brain oriented. So I was like, I can just kind of skate through the rest of the day after that. Um, I just kept on trudging through my work. And after about an hour of that, I was like, no, nah, dog, like, it's not going to work. I'm not, I can't do this. I pulled out my phone to cancel my appointment. I was like, he'll be able to reschedule, right? Like, this was, he, he was pretty easy to schedule with. This isn't going to be a problem for him. We'll reschedule for another time. And uh, it's, I, I'm having a hard time formulating my own thoughts right now. Like, I'm not going to be able to carry on a conversation with this dude, let alone share the gospel clearly with him. So I was like, I'm just, I'm going to, I pulled up my phone to cancel my meeting. And then I had two thoughts hit me uh, before I canceled that meeting. Uh, two questions. The first was, what else are you doing with your life? That thought flashed across my mind. What else are you doing with your life, Cody? What else are you doing with your life today that matters more than sharing the gospel with this guy? And I was like, relaxing, like that started feeling like a really lame thing to do instead of uh, following through on this gospel point I had set up. Uh, and then if that wasn't enough, I actually had a second question pop into my head. And the question was, were you expecting to save his soul during that meeting? Like, was it really on, like, did I think that because I was having a hard day and I felt like I wasn't going to be very eloquent, that was going to inhibit me from saving his soul? During that meeting, it was he. His soul was never mine to save. Uh, I didn't need to be worried about my ability to talk that later that afternoon. Like if I can talk at all, uh, God can use me to communicate the gospel to this guy. So I, those questions have become so significant to me. I would love for you to write down at least the first one of those questions. It's not on your outline. You'll have to write this down. But that first one is, what else are you doing with your life? Because that question, like, hit me like a bag of bricks. And I was like, nothing. Like, what, in the, what else on earth would I rather do at 345 today than share the eternally important information of Jesus Christ with this guy. So uh, thanks be to God that I, I did not cancel that meeting and I went ahead and I showed up. And to be honest, so I was kind of thought, oh, you know what? I'm gonna be faithful, follow through on this. I'm gonna get to the meeting. I'm gonna start feeling so much better because uh, that's happened before. I was like, I had to kind of make it through that barrier. And then once I actually got there, I started feeling better. My head cleared up. I was like, oh man, this is so good. I actually didn't happen. I still didn't feel that well during the meeting. I don't think I spoke particularly eloquently uh, at the meeting, but he actually ended up committing his life to Christ at that meeting, um, despite my, you know, feelings of inability or, and uh, obstacles. Uh, and the guy's name was Jordan Keating, and he's sitting right there. So, like, so God's not dependent on us. That's the, that's the point. Like, it's not at all to shine a light on me. The point is that I was having a bad day. I fumbled over my words when I met with him. I felt like a, like a klutz, like conversationally. Um, but God uses his good news to save people's souls. And he uses us as like a, a transport of taking that good news, right? We're called witnesses. We're literally just like bearing witness to what he did. So I share that with you um, to highlight that 
um, that really important piece of information. And also to let you know that if you haven't yet started to share the gospel real actively in your life, when you do, you will hit obstacles, right? You will face opposition. That will happen. Uh, and so don't be surprised. Uh, you'll face like internal opposition of doubts and frustrations and struggles, kind of like what I was going through that day and frustrating circumstances. You'll face external opposition of inconveniences, car breaking down, you know, relational struggles with people. You're going to hit opposition uh, and obstacles when you really start actively trying to share the gospel. Uh, so don't be surprised. But we really need to remember how much God values people. That's huge. If we remember how much God values that person that we're going to be sharing the gospel with, like those obstacles will seem so small, so, so small uh, in the way of sharing his love with them. If someone told you they would give you $1,000 every time you led somebody to Christ, how much more would you share the gospel with people than you did right now? Would you use excuses like, ah, I'm not really quite sure how. Like, no way, you'd go figure out how, right? To get a thousand bucks, because if you led him to Christ, not if you share the gospel, if you led him to Christ, you get a thousand bucks. You'd figure out how to better communicate the gospel to somebody. You would, if you share the gospel with one person and they didn't quit their life to Christ, you'd be like, ah, it doesn't work, or I'm just not that good at it, I guess. I'll let, that, let other people do that. Like, no way, you'd keep going. So that when you did, when someone did commit their life to Christ, you could get that payday. Now, I do not say that to guilt trip anybody. I think guilt tripping people into sharing the gospel is a terrible idea. Uh, I say that because we value money, right? I would do, I would do that. I, when I was, I wrote this question down and I felt really convicted while writing it down. I thought, how much more would I share the gospel with people if I got a thousand bucks every time uh, God used me to lead somebody into a eternally saving relationship with Christ? And I was like, wow, like I, I honestly think I would share the gospel more if that, if that happened. And there's a reason there because we value money. And that's not a bad thing. Money has value in life. It's very helpful. That's not my point. My point is that do we value the people's souls as much as we value money? That, that's, that's the big thing there. Do we value other people's souls more, less than $1,000, right? More than 1000 What's the monetary value of that? Well, there isn't one. There's no monetary value on an individual's eternal soul. So I'll say this to really try to drive home the point that God values people. He values them and wants them to spend eternity with him. And he paid the way for them to do that. And all he asks us to do is just share that with people, right? And he even lets us experience the love and the blessing uh, of his son's sacrifice. So we even have like a firsthand experience with it. So how much more should we feel motivated uh, and excited even at the opportunity to share the gospel with people? It's no wonder God says in Romans ten fifteen, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's Romans ten fifteen. how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. When we share the gospel with others, that is a beautiful thing to do in God's eyes. So this leads well into the next point I have here. It's wake up to the serious implications of eternity. This is huge. Wake up to the serious implications of eternity. Have you ever thought about how long eternity will be? It like, kind of like gives me shivers when I do. Like it's kind of a weird, it's hard to wrap our finite brains around, around uh, eternity. But um, 
The Bible says in James 4.14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So I have a video. It's of a Francis Chan going over an illustration to kind of try to drive home the point of uh, eternity. And so this video had a really big impact on me the first time I saw it. And I still, like years later, think back to this video. It's really great. So I'm going to cue that up now. Imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But... uh, Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh, man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about, th- what about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me, because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy, and I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, look, I look at the way people live, and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow, and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb? It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying. Down here, it's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's just this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining because I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges. And he's going to hand me that trophy. 
He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me because I'm going to pass that line well. So there are at least four and a half billion lost people on earth. That's a conservative estimate. Uh, Four and a half billion lost people on earth. So what is it going to take to reach all of those lost souls with the gospel? I want us to do a little problem solving right now here. So right, all the engineering majors, like your ears just perked up. You're like, well, huh? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so imagine one of us is like the next Billy Graham. You know who that is? He's a really famous evangelist. He led like hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. He's really uh, impressive man. God used a lot. Uh, so let's just use me for an example because I'm the one on stage with the microphone. All right, I'm the next Billy Graham. And let's say I somehow was able to lead a thousand people to Christ every single day, 365 days a year, like for on for however long it's going to take, right? So leading a thousand people to Christ every single day, no days off. It would take me 12,300 years to reach those four and a half billion people. I'm not exactly sure what the current life expectancy is of of the average individual, but I'm pretty sure it's well shy of that. Uh, So that doesn't seem like the best strategy to me uh, for reaching uh, reaching all the lost in the world. Um, Now, how about, consider this option, uh, this second option. Let's say I went out and I shared the gospel with a guy and he committed his life to Christ. And then I spent a whole year training him. I didn't, I didn't share the gospel with anybody else. I'm not suggesting that part of this uh, strategy, by the way. I think you should keep sharing the gospel any chance you get. But hypothetically, let's say I didn't. I just, this one guy committed his life to Christ, and then uh, I trained him for a whole year so that at the end of that year, both of us went out and shared the gospel with two more dudes, and they committed their lives to Christ. And then we spent the next year us two training those two dudes. So much so that a year later, now there's four of us, right? So the four of us all go out and share the gospel with four more guys, train them for a year. You see the process goes on and on. How long would it take us to reach those four and a half billion people? Well, in 33 years, we would actually reach over 8.6 billion people. 33 years, we would reach over 8.6 billion people. Did you know that uh, surveys show that approximately about 2% of Christians regularly make disciples? About 2% of Christians regularly make disciples. So why don't most of us do it, right? If we've got all this reason to do it, and it's the number one primary strategy, just makes sense, for how to reach the lost with the gospel, why don't we? That's one of the biggest questions I've come here to ask you, actually. I want you to think about that, is is why don't we? I want all of us, myself included, to seriously think about what we could be doing, personally, to follow God's will for our life and the mission he's given us more closely. Because clearly, God set this this whole thing up, right? The The system is rigged, is what I always say, right? The game's rigged, all right? Like, he set us up to have way more impact on eternity than we should. 
I, I, I'm capable through like God using me to have way more impact with my life on eternity than I should based on my own merits. Like it does not make any sense to me that God would use me to impact eternity in one person's life, let alone, you know, if this worked out perfectly, billions, right? Like that doesn't make any sense to me, but that, that's, that's how he set it up. That's how he wants to reach the lost. So as you can see, Jesus gave us this very strategic plan to reach the lost, uh, multiplication. And this strategy of multiplication is really clearly seen in 2 Timothy 2.2. It says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So our mission is the world. Our strategy is multiplication. Our message is the gospel. Our leader is Jesus Christ himself. And our assignment is right where God has us right now. That's the key, is our assignment is to be faithful, to make disciples right where God has us right now. You cannot make disciples and share the gospel with people tomorrow, right now. You can only do it where you are today, right? If you feel like God is calling you to be a church planter, you can't, you, you're not gonna be doing that right now. But right now you can share the gospel with people and make disciples. If you feel like called to go into overseas mission work, that is awesome. But you, you're not going to be doing that right now today unless you like want to book a flight, I guess, real quick. Or you Maybe it's late in the day. But what you can do is right where God has you each day, look for opportunities to share the gospel with people and teach them and train them up to follow Christ and to do the same, to, to, to pass it on to other people. Last, last school year, uh, we had, like, as an organization, Christian Challenge, we shared the gospel with around 500 students, which is awesome. That's crazy to me. We shared the gospel. I think it was over 500 students. And that, that is all God. That's all God. And that's so amazing. And we have been and should be so grateful for that opportunity that we've had to share the love of Christ with so many people. But I'm confident that God cares about, I mean, technically everyone in the world, right? And all, all the students at Chico State, like, not just the ones we were able to share with. He cares about and loves all of them on campus. Now, I don't want anybody to come to Chico State and not have the opportunity to sit down with someone and hear someone very clearly and lovingly explain the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he already did to them, and provide them with the opportunity to respond to that good news. So we shared with about 500 last school year. Every year, uh, Chico State brings in about 4,000 new students, uh, 70% freshmen, 30% transfers. Those are approximate numbers. So that means to just at, just at Chico State, to keep up with the constant inflow of students, we need to be sharing the gospel with 3,500 more students than the 500 we shared with last year, right? That, to me, that's our target. That, if I we're putting a number on it here, our target is 4,000 because that's how many are coming in each and every year. And it doesn't stop, right? That's how colleges work. It's constant wave after wave every school year. Technically, we even get a little boost halfway through the year on that, on that second semester. But I'm just going off the, the beginning of the year here. Uh, so we shared with 500 last year. The target is 4,000. That means our goal, in my mind, our goal should be closing that gap, right? Every year, I want us to be closing that gap 
of sharing the good news of Christ with more and more and more people till we hit that, that 4,000 number. So we're just, at that point, we're just keeping up with, with the numbers, with the, all the people who are coming here. So how are you going to make disciples this fall? And how will you develop a reproducing disciple who's going to go on and continue this process of multiplication? How are you going to do that? Which starts with evangelism. That's why it's so important. Like, like evangelism, it's not just for that person's sake. It's actually for much more than just that person. Billy Graham, for example, somebody shared the gospel with him, right? So whoever, shared, whoever, whoever led Billy Graham to Christ, man, that person did hundreds of thousands of people a huge blessing by leading him to Christ. So when we're sharing the gospel with people, it's not even just focused on them. Like I was saying earlier, like what value is there in that person? I mean, what value is there in all of the people that that person could be sharing the gospel with this year, next year, the next five, the next decade, the next five decades? How many people's eternities could be changed because of that person if God could get a hold of them right now? That's why this is so important. This is such a huge mission. Like I was saying, it's the, the biggest mission of my life is evangelism. So we use uh, gospel appointments because they are a clear way to communicate the gospel uh, in a highly relational and a highly intentional and a highly reproducible way. So we have, I actually gave each and every single one of you a, a gospel appointment like sheet, like it's three pages long. It just clearly walks through the gospel. Probably a lot of you have seen it before. Um, you know, we're going to look at that in a little bit, but just so you know, that's why it's there. Just so you're not, you know, some of you just been wondering that the whole time what that's there for. We'll get to it later still. But uh, that's the primary way we use to share the gospel with people for those reasons. Like I was saying, if, if I want somebody else to be able to share the gospel, you know, with, with their friends and the people that they know, I want to share the gospel with them in a way that they can turn around like the next day and share it with, with their roommate or their, their sister or their mom or, or whoever, uh, you know, who the, whoever they're close to. So here's the bonus point. Uh, this was a point I didn't originally have, so that's why you don't know that this is a bonus point, but I'm just telling you it is. Uh, I added it in here. If you are going to multiply disciples, you must so broadly, it's on your, it's on your uh, outline there. If you're going to multiply disciples, you must so broadly with the gospel in order to discover the people that God is working in. So this idea of sowing broadly, it's, a, uh, it's an agricultural idea, right? And there's a verse in the Bible where it's used uh, as an analogy for investing money uh, in eternal things. Uh, Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, Now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously will also reap generously. So the specific context of that verse is actually talking about finances. But the truth applies to evangelism. It applies to sharing the gospel. It applies to agriculture. It applies to finances. And it applies to evangelism. It probably applies to a lot more, but I've got at least got those three I know for sure. Uh, you've got to sow generously. You cannot sow sparingly and accept to reap right, a big harvest. Can you imagine if a farmer goes out and plants like one, like one stock of corn, right? You, like he just plants for one. So oh, I'm going to get this one. And then off of this one, I'm going to like plant like a ton more, but I'm going to definitely get this one. He invests the whole year of his life in that. And, and then, 
it, it ends up, you know, the plant gets sick and it, and it dies and it doesn't produce anything else. He just wasted a whole year of his life. And also, he's a terrible farmer, right? Like no one, no one does that. They know, they know the truth of this. You have to sow broadly. This is the same, the same thing stands true in evangelism. We need to sow broadly with the gospel. Uh, so now I'm actually gonna be walking through some very practical stuff on how to do a gospel appointment. That's my intention for tonight. I really want to go over some practical things, right? These Tuesday nights, uh, we refer to them as practical training night. Uh, so the intention is to get real practical with this. Uh, so I just wanna talk about these real specifically because this is our primary uh, way we use to share the gospel with people. So gospel appointments are exactly what they sound like, right? You break it down, gospel appointment. It's an appointment to share the gospel with somebody. Um, we're really good at naming things. That's the main thing I'm highlighting there. We're really creative there, gospel appointments. Uh, you set up an appointment to, to, uh, with somebody to share the gospel with them. Please don't call it that when you set up an appointment with them, right? That sounds weird. I grew up in church, and if somebody, when, uh, when somebody set up a gospel appointment with me, if they'd asked me to have a gospel appointment with them, I would have looked at them like they were crazy. And I probably could have figured out what they were talking about. I still would have looked at them like they were crazy because that sounds weird. I don't know. Just like it's, it's a strange thing to, to say to somebody. Uh, so please don't call it that when you're setting one up with somebody. Um, all you're doing is setting up a time to get together and connect with someone in an intentional way. And when you're setting up that time, you're giving them... Uh, the idea that you're intending to have a spiritual conversation at that, you know, coffee or lunch or wherever you're getting together for. You're giving the idea that you're, you're letting them know. You're not trying to bait and switch them, you know. Hey, let's go play video games. Just kidding. You heard about Jesus? You know, that's not, that's not a good strategy. I don't suggest that. Um, now, if you are playing video games with somebody and it comes up in conversation, that's cool. But I wouldn't do, don't do the bait and switch, right? That's not a good strategy. Uh, you let them know when you're setting up the meeting that this is your intention. You tend to have a spiritual conversation with them. And then you plan on how you're going to do that at the meeting. You have a plan for that. Now, sometimes uh, I've, I know people have been tempted at times to think of this as a very canned approach, right? Oh, I just set up a meeting with them and I have these papers and I go through these papers with them. It all sounds very canned. It's not relational. It's not really loving them or like catering to how they might receive this the best. I need to, you know, this is, this is all too canned. I, I dare say it is not canned. It is planned. It is a planned approach. And as the famous saying goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Another misconception that people have is that it's going to be a super high pressure appointment, like a sales pitch kind of. And I, I ask you, please don't approach this as a sales pitch. It is not a sales pitch. Uh, you're sharing an eternally important information about the salvation that's offered by Jesus Christ with this person and their eternity could be changed today by the work of God in their life. This is not a sales pitch, all right? This is like a desperate plea and, and uh, bearing witness to, to what the great work that God has done. We need to remember that evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where they found food. That's all evangelism really is. Another big misconception that comes up is that it takes a long time of building a relationship with someone before you can share the gospel. You need to build this really close and intimate relationship with a person before you can really communicate the gospel to them uh, in a really this trusting, mutually um, 
you know, trusting relationship with a person. But that's just not true. That's not really how it works. Um, first off, if you go a long time in a relationship before sharing the single most important thing about your life with somebody, that's kind of weird. That would be weird to do rather than sharing it with them at one of your first times meeting them. And the other thing is that I have personally seen, and I have a lot of people I know who have personally seen a lot of really great relationships develop through the start of the gospel. One example is myself and Daniel Rivera, right? Daniel, I met him at church one week and I talked to him for like two minutes maybe. Like it was a really brief conversation and I was like, cool, like you want to go grab lunch like or something on Tuesday? I'd love to talk to you more. And I got to ask him like if he went, grew up going to church or anything like that. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Let's grab like lunch or coffee or something sometime this week and we could talk more. Two days later, we uh, met up at T-Bar and I shared the gospel with him. And that was almost exactly four years ago. I was like, I think it was April 21st, 2015. So it was almost exactly four years ago um, that I had that meeting with him at uh, T-Bar and he committed his life to Christ at that meeting. And I dare say, I would, I promise you, we have a closer relationship and friendship now than if I had waited until we had this really strong friendship before I shared the gospel with him. We probably never really would have had that close of a friendship. Our friendship was built upon the foundation of the gospel. Some of my best friendships I have in life are built upon the foundation of the gospel. Even I have friends who still aren't Christian and our friendship is built upon the foundation of the gospel. So I just want to try my best to obliterate that misconception. You do not need to. There are sometimes that is how it works out. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just saying don't for one second believe the lie that you can't share the gospel with somebody until you have this really close friendship with them. That's why our motto and challenge is when in doubt, share the gospel. It's literally a motto that we have. When in doubt, share the gospel. Gospel points have been the most effective method for me to discover where someone's at in their faith and no matter where that is, to start helping them grow closer to God. So how do I set up a gospel appointment? That's what I want to address now. I'll get really practical with this. How do I set up a gospel appointment, right? If we're going to have a gospel appointment with somebody, we've got to figure out how to get there in the first place. Uh, so step one. If uh, start a conversation with someone, and this is like this was the silliest, the silliest point I think I've ever typed up, but I really honestly think it is important that I put this in here. Start a conversation with someone. It's really difficult to share the gospel with someone you've never met, and it's really, really hard to meet people without talking to them. Okay, I don't know if you've noticed that, but it is. It's exceptionally difficult to meet somebody without talking to them, communicating in some way. Uh, the subpoint here that I, I just typed up there is be someone who's always looking to make new friends. And this is really important because this is not the norm. This is not what is normal. It is normal to sit next to a person in your class and at every break, for both of you to be on your phone and not talking to the individual who's sitting like six inches from you. That's normal. 
it's not normal to be someone who is constantly starting up new conversations and constantly making new friends at work and in classes and at lunch or wherever you are in life. So to help out with this, because this is not the norm, I included a little uh, acronym on conversation help. So this is something I still think of today. It is wildly helpful. I had not come up with this. It's been around for a long time. A lot of you may have heard it before. So the F is find common ground. Anything. I like your hat, right? They probably like it too because they wore it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Where are you from, right? Everyone's from somewhere. Like, you know, you got that common ground going for you. You both, you both live somewhere. Uh, what's your major? Hey, if you're in college, they're in college too. Or if not in college, uh, you know, wh- where do you work? What do you do for a living? Find some sort of common ground. Start kind of fishing uh, for any kind of common ground you might have with them. The I is interests. What do you like to do for fun? Are you in any clubs on campus? What did you do over the weekend? Right? People usually do things that they're interested in in their free time. So start figuring out what they do in their free time. Uh, again, this is actually works as a really good like pool still for finding common ground. Um, people love talking to people who are interested in the same thing as them. Uh, even if you aren't, act like you are. Be interested in things other people are interested in. It's not being fake. It's being friendly. R is Relationships. And I know some of you just thought, oh, I do this all the time. Oh, yeah. Hey, girl, you got a, you got a boyfriend? Right? Hey, what's up, dude? You got a girlfriend? Like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the relationship I'm talking about. So, right. Some of you, some of you chuckled, all right? Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got two people with that. Thank you. Uh, you know, do you have any siblings? You know, where, where is your family from? Where did you grow up? Things like that. You know, the relationships that are in their life. Uh, well, another one I ask sometimes at, at like Chico State, I'll say, oh, do you, when I find out where they're from, I say, oh, did you know anybody who came to Chico State as well with you? You know, those friendships that, that they carried with you. Uh, and then the E is experience with spiritual things. This is a description of what you're talking about, not what you were actually saying. I don't usually say, do you have any experience with spiritual things? No, that is, not, that is not the suggested question there. Uh, I usually will bridge relationships to experience with spiritual things. After I ask them, you know, where, where is your family from? I'll say, oh, did your family grow up going to church or anything like that? It's actually a very normal question. I have been asked that question by individuals who were not currently going to church. People have asked me in legitimate conversation, they said, oh, like, oh, yeah, do you go to church or anything like that? You know, just conversationally. It's not a weird thing. Sometimes we get in our head about this. It's not a weird thing to ask someone about. Oh, do you believe in God? I've been asked that by people who were, you know, agnostic. They weren't trying to share the gospel with me. They were just curious. They were just having a conversation with me. Whatever they say, a really great response is, oh, that's interesting. It's good to have that one in your back pocket, honestly, because sometimes people say weird things. And weird things are interesting. So, you know, you're not insulting them. You're not flattering them. It's true. That's interesting. Oh. You think frogs are the, like, the highest life form. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't agree with you, but that is interesting. 
hey, would you like to grab coffee sometime? I would love to talk to you some more about that. And it'd be cool. I could get to share with you some of the things I believe about God too. You know, I would, I would really, if someone did believe frogs were the highest life form, I would love to know how they came to that conclusion. I will be asking them questions about that at a coffee. Uh, so moving on, if it's a coworker, a classmate, and you don't have a lot of time to actually have a conversation, uh, this is kind of what I, what I did um, with, with Daniel, for example. Uh, it's take advantage of any opportunity to identify with Christ. This can be something like, uh, you, know, you can ask them what they did over the weekend, and then regardless of whether they reciprocate the question back to you, you can just share what you did over the weekend. That's fine. Uh, and you can you know, say, oh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I went bowling on Saturday and on Sunday um, afternoon. I played some basketball with some friends. And in the morning, I was at church. Oh, hey, do you, do you go to church or anything like that? See where I'm going with this? Oh, you, you grew up uh, going to church, but you haven't gone for a while. Oh, wow. Man, that's really interesting. I would love to grab coffee or lunch with you sometime. I'd like to hear more about your experience with that and, you know, kind of where you're at now. What's your schedule like this week? It really is that simple. So the next blank there, I'm kind of skipping around a little bit on you. So it's ask them a quick spirit. One was take advantage of any opportunity to identify with Christ. I kind of acted out for you to tell you to fill the blanks here. Ask them a quick spiritual question. Then try to set up a meeting. After you ask them if they want to meet up, just be quiet and let them answer. They may be evaluating if they think you're like in a cult or something, okay? Like, give them a hot second. Give them a second to think. I don't think that's actually what they are. Don't be self-conscious. Y'all gonna be really self-conscious about that now, I know. No, uh, that was a joke. They, uh, people have to think sometimes before they respond. I, I, I know sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to be like, oh, but if you don't want to, that's really cool. You know, now that's weird, <laughs> all right? It's weird to get asked if you want to go do something and have the person say, act like now they don't want to do that anymore. So just be quiet and, and let them answer your question. Uh, and then try your best to set up the meeting right there with them. I try my absolute best to set it up right there with them. Because if I wait until later, it's a lot easier for them to ignore my texts than it is for them to ignore me when I'm standing like four feet from them, right? I'm standing here talking to them like, oh, like, do you have any time on Tuesday? Right now, they are going to answer me. There's not a guarantee they're going to respond to my text later that day. Now, if they don't know their schedule or anything like that, you don't have to pressure them. Don't be weird, right? People don't like being pressured into going and getting coffee with people. Um, just uh, then you can you know, try to do it over text. I've set up lots of meetings over text. Um, then go back to casual conversation. That's point four there. Go back to casual conversation and just hang out. Uh, get them talking about themselves. I was kind of alluding to this earlier. People love talking about themselves. This is just a fact of life. You even if you are a very quiet person, you really enjoy talking about the things you like and that is another form of talking about yourself. So everybody likes talking about themselves and what they're interested in. So if you're ever stuck in a conversation, just revert to that. Try to figure out what they like and get them talking about it. People love it. And they're going to walk away thinking you're super cool. Fun fact, people will not be impressed with you by you like talking about yourself they will be impressed with you and want to spend more time with you if you will get them talking about themselves. 
uh, again, a good uh, go-to. I'm giving you really practical things here. This is literally the things I say. I'll oftentimes ask them what they're doing this upcoming weekend. Because again, people do what they're interested with in their free time. So I want everybody to pair up right now and practice that. All right? Practice that one. Uh, the one if you're short on time. I don't want you to try to like work through fire right now. Practice the one if you're short on time. I'm expecting you both to take a turn in like two minutes. So just try to like blast through that. Ready, set, go. Right, I'm going to cut you off there. If you didn't both get to take a turn, you can try later, all right? Uh, Cutting you off there. So hopefully, at least one of you were able to introduce yourself, briefly make some kind of small talk, ask a spiritual question, transitioned into setting up an appointment, and then transitioned back into casual conversation. If you didn't, that's okay. You can always practice later. Uh, so the last one, the last section here is that of, uh, if you're at a, like a, in a spiritual setting, this is actually, I guess what I did with Daniel technically, cause we were at church. It was a spiritual setting, but it pretty much looks the same. Um, when I'm talking to somebody, uh, start a conversation about really any topic, uh, and then simply, uh, no need to transition, simply jump in and try to set up a meeting. Like this is, if you are at challenge or a challenge event, or at a Bible study, or at church, uh, this is extremely simple, right? Hey, you were just in there, right? <laughs> what did you think about that message? That was pretty cool, huh? Hey, you want to go grab coffee or lunch sometime this week? Like, it'd be really cool to, to get to know you better, and, and I'd like to talk to you more about that and what you got out of that, that sermon, you know? Oh, hey, you're at Christian Challenges Dodgeball event. I wouldn't say that, but you get the idea here. Um, creating a setting. Uh, hey, would you like to go grab like lunch sometime this week? It'd be cool to get to know you better and uh, I could tell you more of what our group's all about. They're at a Christian challenge event at this point, right? Like they're at least not opposed to the idea of God enough to come to a Christian group's funny event or that you just really love dodgeball, which may be the case, but they still need Jesus. Uh. So that's, that's really what I do. Like at challenge events and things like that, I, I try to make some small talk with them, but if they're like blasting out of there or I'm needing to race and go do something, I have, this is not my go-to, but I have many a time set up a gospel appointment with a person in talking to them for like less than 60 seconds. And I'm not saying that's what you should try to do, just like blow through like the whole event, like making a bunch of gospel appointments and like not be able to actually have any of them because you don't have like 40 free hours this week right? That's not what I'm pitching. Like, if you can talk to them, take a minute. The people really love being talked to, and that's not an idea of being at events anyways. You really want to be there for other people, and especially new people, making them feel welcome, talking to them. So don't disregard any of those uh, ideas. We really want to love people and not view them as projects, and we really want to make them feel welcome at church and challenge and at fun events. But just know, if all else fails, you're carrying conversation, you're trying to swing it spiritually, like, if you're not having it, or you're just having one of those days, like I often have, where I'm just having a struggling talking to them or swinging the, the topic to something spiritual, I'll just at some point just jump in and say, well, hey, this is actually what it looks like, right? Because I'm kind of brain dead. I'm like, well, hey, you're a person. Uh, hey, do you want to go grab like, you know, tea or something. This is because I'm not feeling well. I say tea instead of coffee accidentally. I've never asked that uh, in my right mind. Uh, you know, go grab tea or something. 
uh, it'd be great to get to know you better, and I could tell you more of what our group's about. You know, if nothing else, at some point in the conversation, I'll just jump in to that. Uh, and our goal is where every single person who ever comes to anything Challenge organizes will have the opportunity to hear the gospel shared with them in a loving and relational way. So, practice this one. So if you were howling partway through or one, only one person got to do it, now it's the other person's turn. If you both did it, try it this time. Do it from a spiritual setting. So you're at, let's just go with dodgeball because that was the first event I thought of. So let's say you're at a dodgeball event. Pretend you're there. Do a little, like, you know, a few dodges and uh, try to set up a meeting with someone. You only have like one minute for this one. So ready, set, go. All right. So another thing, I just remembered another thing I often... Uh, segue into that, I'll ask them how they heard about the event. That's another question I ask people a lot. You know, oh, hey, how'd you hear about this, this Christian Challenge event? You know, because that way, if they didn't know before, now they know the group's name is Christian Challenge. Especially at like big events like Glow Games where people just like just wander on. I'll especially say this at events like that. I'll say, oh, hey, how'd you hear about this Christian Challenge event? And they're like, oh, I got a flyer today. And now they know the group is Christian Challenge. And so when I say, hey, I'd love to go grab coffee with you and tell you more of what our group's about. They know I'm telling them about what our Christian group is about. And our Christian group is all about the gospel. And so that is honestly what I'm telling them. That phrase, I can tell you more of what our group's about, is like money to me. I use it all the time. Uh, I've had so many people thank me for meeting with them. I just want to throw this out there because it's, this, is, this is reality in, in sharing the gospel with individuals. I've had so many people thank me for taking the time to share the gospel with them. Individuals who committed a life to Christ during that meeting and individuals who did not. What we are sharing with people is good news, right? I've had a couple of people who were offended. I've had dozens and dozens and dozens more who were extremely thankful that I took the time to share what Jesus Christ did for them with them. It also clarifying for them what Christianity is also about. How many people ask me for that? I thank me for that because they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea like that's what Christians believe. Even if they didn't actually believe it, uh, it was a great clarification for them. So we don't need to be self-conscious because it's not about us. I kind of, I've been, I'm not mean to repeat myself a lot, but these are ideas that I know trip us up. And I know that because they trip me up sometimes and they've tripped me up in the past. We don't need to be self-conscious because it is not about us. I don't need to be self-conscious because it's not about me. It's not about me saving this person's soul. It's not about me being eloquently worded. It is about the work that God did through Jesus Christ on the cross. So I have an appointment, now what? All right, that's the next little section. Uh, I have an appointment, now what? One, pray like crazy, right? I would actually suggest like blocking out at least like 15 minutes, like put it in your schedule. You don't keep a schedule, start keeping a schedule for this reason. You will not stand someone up when you set up a gospel appointment with them, right? That's not a good thing. And then two, Earlier that day or the day before, you can set aside some time in your schedule to pray for that person and to pray for your meeting. You can recruit some of your friends to pray for you. I, there's nothing that reassures me more when I am in a meeting sharing the gospel with them than knowing there are other people 
praying for me and praying for that meeting. That is something that gives me great confidence because I know that God hears their prayers and answers them. I love having people actually, I'll tell them when my appointment is and have them pray for me, ask them to pray for me during my meeting. So number two, make sure to confirm the meeting, time and location that day through a phone call or text. I like never called people. Like it's only really a text, but if you're into calling people or the person seems like they are, you're totally free to do that. But I just text people. Uh, I confirm it that day. If you don't do this, you can pretty much assume they're not going to be there. It's an expectation uh, for people. If you are the one who sets up the time meeting with them, they really expect you to remind them the day of. Uh, so I really suggest you do this. And it makes it much less awkward to reschedule if they tell you before your meeting that they can't make it. It's a lot easier for you and for them to reschedule. So it just helps. It helps you. It helps them out. Make sure to confirm the meeting that day. Number three, bring your gospel lesson, Right? The whole idea, be, be prepared. Be prepared to share the gospel with them. Also bring a pen, right? There's some thing, places on that gospel lesson to, to write in some stuff and to circle and things. Uh, and I like to have a, a Bible with me as well because if they do bring up some questions, I love to be able to pull out the Bible and show them the answer in the Bible because right there at my first time ever talking to them and meeting with them, I am literally showing them that the place to go to get answers is in the Bible. So I really like to bring a Bible with me for that reason. Um, and then oftentimes, uh, I'll either bring an extra Bible for them, or honestly, at this point, I usually will just, after the meeting, uh, have them download the Bible app and show them how to use it on their phone. Uh, I've done that several times. I, I do that more than I, I give away Bibles, but um, I, I do like to give people a physical Bible if I, if I have one handy. I try to, I try to keep one handy. And then using the uh, gospel lesson is really great. Uh, so that's the point is bringing a gospel lesson. It's really great using gospel lesson because you can use that to revert to. Uh, if you get really nervous and kind of blank out, you just, you just keep reading. That's the, that's the great thing about them. And then during the meeting, start by talking casually uh, and building a relationship with the person. But jump pretty quickly into talking about deeper things such as family, upbringing, if you had brought up some of those things when you set up the meeting, you can revert back to those at this time. So I like to. So if I had to ask them about their upbringing things, I'll just at some point in the meeting start talking, asking more questions about that after we make small talk for just a little bit. Um, and then you transition into walking through uh, the three-story outline. It's their story, your story, God's story. So, so you're asking them questions about, about their story. And regardless if they, if they reciprocate those questions, it's nice when they do, but they don't always. So I just share after, you know, they get done, they, you know, they've been talking about themselves for a little while. I'll say, oh, hey, that's really interesting. You know, you grew up in a, in a frog worshiping church. That's, that is interesting, you know. Um, see, I said that once, now it's stuck in my brain. Uh, well, hey, I, uh, I I'll, at that point, I'll try to share like a 60-second version of my testimony, just real brief, because I'm really wanting to jump into the gospel. I'm usually pretty nervous at this point. I've already started like sweating pretty profusely at this meeting. So I'm like, all right, I need to like jump into this <laughs> sooner than later. Uh, so I, I share a real brief testimony uh, with them and then transition. So it's their story, then my story and into God's story. And so usually in that, in sharing my story, uh, I'll, I'll transition that straight into the gospel lesson because 
someone had a gospel, shared this gospel lesson with me. And that was one thing that really helped me understand the gospel more clearly. So I'll say that. I'll say, yeah, and so I grew up going to church and I, I believed in God, but it didn't really affect my life that much. And one thing that really helped me understand more about what it means to have a relationship with God and the effect that should have on my life was someone actually shared this Bible lesson with me that talked all about what it means to have a relationship with God. Now, actually, I brought that same lesson with me uh, here today because I thought it'd be really cool to be able to share that with you. Would you be interested in going over this with me? And this one, I'm already, I'm already like pulling it out uh, of my backpack. And I've, I don't think, I don't think I've ever had somebody say no. Uh, I, not that I can recall. So if I have, it maybe happened once like nine years ago. So I've pretty much never had anybody say no. Uh, people agreed to come and meet with you here and knew we were going to be talking about spiritual things. It's not that weird or surprising. So um, your story, their story, your story, God's story. So then you pull out the gospel lesson, and just read it with them. That's number five there. And just read it with them. This is very important to actually get to the gospel sharing at a gospel appointment. I know uh, this has probably happened to a lot of you. Uh, maybe not a lot of you, but some of you, I'm sure. And I know that it's happened to me before. I set up a gospel appointment with somebody, and I totally chickened out, right? I totally chickened out and made a bunch of excuses and didn't actually ever share the gospel with them. Now, if you had, you may have felt like really legitimately that God was leading you to not share the gospel with them at that time. And I'm not trying to discount that uh, for you, but I'm just telling you, like, you'd better be confident because you just missed an opportunity to share something that could change a person's eternity. So I, I, I never assume God's going to lead me to not share the gospel with somebody um, that because that just doesn't really make sense. And, and I know it's on his heart for them to be with him forever. So that, that's what I'm, I'm going for. I want to share the gospel with them. So do it. Just do it. You've got to tell yourself that like 10 times before you, you walk in at me, like, just do it, just do it, just do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be meeting with them. I'm going to be tempted to just make small talk the whole time. I'm building that friendship and relationship. No, I'll just do it. Just share the gospel with them. You have an opportunity right now. You are never guaranteed another opportunity for the rest of eternity with this person. You do not have a guarantee ever again that they will sit down with you. So just do it now. And I'll tell you, the most nervous you'll be in this whole process is right before you ask them for the meeting, right before you go to the meeting, right before you actually pull out the gospel appointment lesson. That is, those are the most nerve-wracking moments. And that is the moment when the devil is going to try to dissuade you and be like, no, it's not a good idea. And all three of those like benchmarks. So then the next point, point six here is, uh, oh, then, and just some points of that. You don't need to try to add a lot to it. Don't feel like, oh, I need to like add a lot to this to make this more personal. Like, no, because it's not really about you. Remember, it's about God. So don't feel the need to like add all like your life story throughout the whole lesson and make it like a five-hour meeting. The point is to be sharing God's story with them. It's not bad to make it personal, but just I, I've, I know I've been caught up in this problem before. So that's where I'm sharing from my experience. If, you, if you're able to work your testimony in there somewhere, I'm not telling you you need to change. Uh, I'm just saying, I know I've at times tried to be too cute with it. And like, you know, three hours later, the person was bored to death by the time I actually start sharing and asking them like, hey, do you, so do you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? And they're so confused because we've addressed like the gospel and my upbringing and like my 
you know, my brother-in-law's story. And like, I, I've like, I've told, we told them my whole family history in the middle of this. So just be aware of that. Uh, if you're like me, sometimes you just start getting super off topic, just read it. Uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll save yourself from making that mistake like I have. And then number six, make the invitation clear. And this is the fourth time you'll get the most nervous. It's before you set up the meeting, right before you go to the meeting, uh, right before you actually start sharing the gospel with them. And this is the final one is right when you're actually making the invitation of asking them, do you want to commit your life to following Christ? Right before, at least for me, every time I know it now, it's a pattern. Every time I know those four times, I'm just going to be like sweating bullets. Uh, So at that point, when I'm going through this sheet, and when I get to the prayer at at the end of the the third page, I'll ask them, why don't you read this prayer? Don't pray it just yet. Just read it and see if that really reflects where your heart is at. So I'll let them read it. And then I'll ask them, does that reflect where your heart is? Would you like to pray this and commit your life to following Christ right now? And that is the ultimate zip your lip opportunity, okay? They ask that question, do not utter a single word until they respond because that is the single most important question that they will ever be asked in their entire life. If they need a second to think about it, Give them a second to think about it, okay? It might feel like an eternity, but it's probably only like four seconds, okay? Just zip your lip. You're going to be really tempted to blabber something out. Like, but if you need more time to think about it, that's okay. No, 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 no. You're just asking them the question, and then you zip your lip, and you wait. One mistake uh, I've made before is asking the question, have you ever heard something like this before? Or have you ever prayed something like this before? And if they've ever had any like semblance of an idea of the gospel, they'll probably answer yes, right? People like knowing things and they like being able to say yes. So if you're asking them, have you ever done this before? You know, like when they were six and they, uh, you know, we're at a friend's youth group meeting and they had like an altar call. They went up to the beginning of the room and they don't actually remember anything that was said, but everyone was going up to the room. So they went up to the room too and they, they followed the instructions and prayed a prayer. But they'll be like, they'll think back and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I've done it before. Even if they've never actually made a real commitment to Christ. So I never ask them if they have, have you ever prayed anything like this before? You know, or have you ever heard anything like this before? Any, any of those kinds of questions? Because that's not the question. Right? That's not the question. The question is, do you want to commit your life to Christ right now? Because you have the opportunity to do that. God actually wants to forgive you of all of your sins that you ever have and ever will commit, like right now. He's already paid the price. Do you want to start following Christ right now and accept that forgiveness? I don't say all of that. I'm just elaborating for your sake. Number seven, if they say no, and if you share the gospel with people, people will say no. And it will be after you got through sharing the gospel with them and you just felt like God's love was like pouring out of your heart on this person and you thought there's no way they're gonna say no to Jesus. Like 
And, and they will. The people, people will say no. Some people are not ready right now. And that, you don't know what God intended to do through you, right? It's God's work, not yours. So God, they might, on a, on a spiritual scale of like negative 10 to positive 10, your negative 10 being like someone who like is against God and positive 10 being like, you know, Billy Graham, I already used some example, like Billy Graham or something like that. Not Jesus, because he's off the scale. Like way over there, right? Uh, but negative 10, positive 10. Maybe they were a negative nine when you came into that meeting and, and God used you to clarify some things about his character to them and they just jumped from like a negative nine to a negative eight and that was huge for them. They just overcame some major obstacles that had been in their life. We see that happen, that happens. So don't get discouraged. Never get discouraged if somebody says no. If they do say no, a great question to ask them is, to respectfully ask, what is keeping you from making that commitment, right? You just shared a lot of good, great things about God and about what Jesus has done for them. It's not a weird question to ask. You know, what's keeping you from making that commitment? And don't be pushy or try to force a decision, right? That's definitely not what you want. Uh, you're trying to, cult- you're actually wanting and trying to cultivate uh, a further relationship with this person. So you're not trying to like push them into this because you're going you're gonna to continue to love them and, and invest them to, to however much extent that they, they're interested in. You know, them being involved in challenges and dependent on this. Them being your friend isn't dependent on this. You know, this is, you're just asking them, like, what, what is in your way? What, what's, what's keeping you from making that decision? Because maybe it's something really simple that you can address that, that time or a later meeting. Uh, but it will, it will get them thinking about it. Actually, uh, a young man who was formerly on staff with Challenge, uh, he, he came on staff for a couple years um, he actually delayed his future plans just to come on staff for a couple of years. It was a pretty cool uh, thing that he did. Um, when he committed his life to Christ, it was well, one of the mo- key defining moments for him uh, when he would tell it was that he'd been kind of like, like kind of putting off, like, ah, yeah, something I'll do later on. And, and a former staff member with Challenge asked him, they said, what, why aren't you doing it now? Like he said, so it was something like that. It was like, what? is keeping you from making this commitment. What, what roadblocks are in the way? You said you agree with this. You, you, you said it makes sense to you. You said you are a sinner who needs forgiveness. Like, what is keeping you from doing this? And he said, I didn't have an answer, so I did it. <laughs> he had said no like at a previous meeting, and I think he'd already said no during that time of getting together with the guy. Uh, they'd addressed some like, you know, doubts he'd had or some concerns and things. And so he said, what is it? What is keeping you at this point? And, and, and the guy who used to be on staff, he, he, when he just told me about this, he said, I, I actually didn't have an answer for him. So I was like, well, I guess I guess I will. Yeah, I guess that was when I do. I, I had these issues before, but now I've gotten this word through. So yeah, let's do it. Uh, so that's why I think it's a great question to ask. Um, number eight is, if they say yes to Christ, Show your excitement, right? They just made the most important decision of their entire life. Be excited about that. That's awesome. Like, that's really good. That's really good news. Then lead them to pray to God by reading off the prayer. Um, you can feel free to tell them to make it their own because uh, the words of the prayer aren't magical, right? It's not some magical code we use to persuade God into letting us into heaven. It's not the, the secret, like, password for the doorway. And that's not what it is. It's all about them and their relationship with God. So there is a, there's an example prayer at the end of the gospel appointment sheet. Um, and so what I usually will say is, 
They've already read it through once. So I'll say, hey, how about I open this up? That is so awesome, man. I'm so excited for you. How about I'll open this up in prayer. I'll just thank God for our our time, you know, that we got to get together today. And then uh, when I'm done, I'll say amen. So you know that I'm done. And then you go ahead and pray that prayer. And you can pray it either out loud or in your head, whatever you feel more comfortable doing, because you're not talking to me, you're talking to God. So I like praying out loud to God because it helps me think through my words more clearly. But if you want to pray in your head, that's totally fine too. But if you do pray in your head, just say amen when you're done so I know that you're done. And, and then and I go, I started praying. I thank God for our time. Thank you for, you know, sending his son to die for our sins. And I say amen, and, and then they'll pray. Then you celebrate and set up a follow-up meeting, right? You party like there's no tomorrow. You get up on the table. You start dancing, you know, ask them to come up with you. Like, no, don't do that. I was just seeing you. That was like an awake check, all right? So it's like two people awake in the back. If you were awake, you would have laughed at that. Gosh darn it. Um... So celebrate, celebrate and set up a follow-up meeting. Uh, you know, you can, you can tell them, I'll tell people, say, that is so awesome. That, that is the most important decision you'll make in your entire life. I'll just tell them that. It's the truth whether or not they fully understand it at that moment or not. Um, what I usually say is, this is the start of an amazing new relationship with God. And I would love to get together with you and share with you you know, so, some helpful things that, that have helped me grow in my relationship with God. Because, right, like any kind of relationship you have, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta talk to a person to get to know them better. And you grow a relationship by spending time with people. I'd love to get together with you like tomorrow or the next day. And I, I could share with you what that looks like for me when I spend time with God. And, and, and I always try to do it within the next day or two. Because they might have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts that come up. I've had people, uh, like, I'll, I've never seen them again after that first meeting, even when I try to get an appointment the next day or two. So people have a lot of issues that come up. They have a co- weird conversation with their roommate, like, and then it just completely throws them off. They get super confused. I'm not trying to, like, make them avoid that. I just want to talk to them about it. And, I, and if you give them a week to stew on it, then they might just have all these unanswered questions and unanswered questions turn into doubts. And so I try to get with them really as soon as possible. And I'll tell them, why don't you take this sheet, look over it, and if you have any questions, like, please write them down, and I'd love to talk about those with you. Uh, so that's what I do. And then at that next meeting, I'll try to, then I'll pitch, like, a meeting time the next week, saying, hey, this time seems to work well for you. You want to meet at this time next week? Uh, and we can, either some more of these lessons I'd love to go through with you. I usually don't say, hey, awesome, like, welcome to God's family. Let's meet at this time on into eternity, right? Rest of our lives, every week, we're going to be meeting. Like, this person just, like, made a pretty huge decision. I'm not trying to make them, like, make me a part of their weekly schedule for the rest of, like, the year. Uh, I'm not trying to pitch that right now. I'm like, hey, like, what about when we're meeting, like, you know, tomorrow or the next day? Like, what, like, let's go for that. If I can get him to meet with me tomorrow or the next day, awesome. At that meeting, I'll say, hey, like, how about next week? You want to try to meet up next week? And there's several of these I'd like to go over. What about like for the next month? Does this time work for you? And then you, so and then by the end of that time, if they're really into it and they're growing and growing a relationship with God, like it's going to just flow on. You're just going to keep meeting with them. But just, that's just something I do. I don't usually pitch like a long-term time commitment on them after they just made the most important decision of their life. Um, so that's what it looks like. Um, I would love for you guys. We don't have a ton of time, but I'm just going to go for it. 
right? Because like I think the schedule says all the way up until 10 p.m. So I'm going to use all that time um, because I really care about this and I care about you learning these things. So uh, try your best to stay focused and alert in what we're doing here. I'm going to have you partner up and have one of you try your best to go through the entire gospel appointment sheet with the other person. All right? So that's what we're going to be doing between now and 10 p.m. And then if you don't make it through the whole thing or the other person wants to turn, please like play it another time or just go somewhere like right after this. Uh, That would be a very worthwhile use of your time. So go ahead and, and go for it now.